It's a privilege to be here today, and uh, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 8, we're going to be looking at two different passages in Romans 8, and uh, I just, I'm so thankful this morning just to be in God's house and just, just experience worship Him together, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to teach on the topic of uh, loving is easy, but pleasing is hard. Uh, before we dive into that, I mean, it's, it's, it's changing seasons, it doesn't feel like it outside, but you know, fall is approaching. Uh, and so what I've noticed around my house, I don't know what it's like in your house, but my wife, she likes fall. Um, what I try to explain to her, though, is that she was raised in Florida, so she's never experienced fall. <laughs> um, I grew up in, uh, I've spent quite some time in uh, upstate New York, you know, had beautiful fall foliage and everything, and while I wouldn't want the, the, the months after fall to, to experience that again, I mean, I do miss the fall part. Um, you know, fall to me was, you know, the changing of the leaves and the, the cooler weather, and you got to put hoodies on and all this kind of stuff, um, you know, and, and you, it was just beautiful, right? It's just a great time of year. Um, things were, were changing. Um, you know, my wife often will look, go, look in the front yard, and she's like, look, it's a fall leaf. And I'm like, no, honey, that's a dead leaf. <laughs> Do you know what it died from? Heat stroke. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have fall here, <laughs> but in our house, it looks like fall. We have fake leaves all over the place. They're real pretty. They're plastic, but they're pretty. Um, you know, it, she even has these little air freshener things that smell like fall, and I, I actually get a little angry every time I smell it. She loves it. She thinks it's the greatest thing ever, but I'm like, see, that's just fake. That's not real. Like, I wish it smelled like that outside, but it doesn't. It, I go outside, and I, have, I, I start sweating immediately. Like, this is not fall, right? And so uh, why, don't, why am I telling you this? Well, because, you know, we tend to live in a fake world sometimes, right? We, have, we, we can lull ourselves to sleep, and we have this reality like, wow, it's fall. There's fall everywhere, and it's great. And then we step outside, and reality hits that it is not fall at all. In fact, it feels just like summer. Um, but but well, there's a lot of ways in our society today that we can live in a fake world. Um, if you listen to uh, the news, if you watch, uh, look at social media, if you look at um, all these different influences we have, you know, they'll try to lull us asleep into believing something that is clearly not true. The truth is right in front of us, and yet they think we're dumb, right? And they're like, they're telling us something that we clearly know isn't true. And because it's a fake world, they don't even believe it. But they sp- I hope they spout en- enough that eventually we'll buy into it, right? I mean, simple things like, you know, that there's, there's more, than one, the, more than two genders and boys can't, aren't really boys and girls aren't really girls and all these different things. And we have, we're told that right is wrong, we're told that up is down, and, and ultimately we're telling that sin is good, that we're just following our hearts and nobody can tell us what to do. They're, they're just judgmental religious people, right? But the problem is we have a standard found in God's word where we know what right from wrong is. And so we can choose to ignore it, but it doesn't make it any less true. And so we can, if we're not careful, we can live in a fake world. Our country is just trying to redefine everything, right? We can just, things that were held to be the standard for hundreds of thousands of years are all of a sudden in question. And then we just, we're supposed to just buy into it and go along with it like it's always been the truth when it's clearly not. But can I tell you something? If we're not careful, we can buy into the same lies. America in, is in a lot of trouble as far as what it's allowing people to believe, what it's teaching our, what we're teaching our children. I, I'm convinced that if Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in America, um, it would be one thick letter. Uh, in fact, if, if, by the time he was done with it, it'd probably be thicker than the Bible itself, right? Because we got a lot to learn. Uh, he would take 
not just, you know, we have first and second Corinthians. He would take first Americans, second Americans, third Americans, fourth Americans, fifth Americans. I mean, you just keep going, right? I mean, just every time he think he's done, he tried to pen a new letter. We do something else crazy, and we're like, what are you talking about? Let me write a lick again. I, I just truly believe that, you know, thank, thank goodness we have the word of God, and, and we can stand on it, and we know what the truth of, the, of God's word is. But if we're not careful, if we are not careful, our relationship with the God can be fake too. And let, let me just go ahead and preface this message right now. This might be one of those messages where like, man, I feel like you're pointing a finger at me. Listen, if I'm pointing a finger at you, I got three more pointing back at me. A little seminary professor told me that one time, I'm like, this is one of those messages. If I feel like you're stepping on my toes, I've been stepping on my own toes all week long. I, I'm bruised, I'm limping today, okay? I mean, I, this is just one of those messages. It's what God's word has, has for us, but we, it's something that we all need to hear, certainly myself included. But if we aren't careful, our relationship with God can be fake, just like the fake world we choose to live in. If we say we love God, but we don't make him a priority, what are we really saying to him? If we come to church when it's convenient, we read our Bibles when we have time, we give a tithe when there's enough left over at the end of the month, we're showing a faith without works, and James tells us that faith is dead. That's bad news for us. We don't want our faith to be dead. Now, we don't work for our faith. That's very clear. We're saved by grace through faith, so that no one can boast. It's only by the grace of God that we have any chance of having a relationship with him. But make no mistake, our faith should produce works. Our love for God should lead to us pleasing him with our lives. And there's a difference. We can say we love God, but we don't please him. We are living in a fake world that doesn't glorify God. So what I want to talk to you today is simply loving is easy, but pleasing is hard. Before we do that, I want to just establish something right off the bat. Uh, if you know God, if you know him, if you truly know, I'm not saying you know about him, I'm saying you know him intimately, you know him personally, you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know God, then you love God. If you know God, you love God. Can you say that with me? If you know God, you love God. That, that's the truth of the matter. Now, if you don't love God, it's really simple. You just haven't met him yet. If you don't love God, it's because you haven't met him yet. And you then say, well, I was raised in church, and I read the Bible, and I know these Bible stories, and I can do all these things. I just don't know about this God. You can, you, that, that means you know about him. That doesn't mean you know him. Because it's impossible to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and truly enter into a relationship with him and not love him. Loving God is easy. He is an easy person to love once you truly meet him. So the question today you have to ask yourselves is if there's any inkling in you that says that you may not love God, you got to get to know him. Let me introduce you to him because you'll never be the same. If you know God, you love God. Now, I want to just quickly give you two reasons that loving God is easy. First, number one is he loved us first. First John 419 says we love because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. We didn't have to take the first step. It's easy to love someone who has already shown they love you first. Isn't that true? Think about your relationships in your life. It's easy to love the people that love you back, right? Especially when they initiated it at first. They're like, man, there's that person so kind. They're so nice to me. They're, they, they, they do things for me. I love that person. It's easy, right? It's a lot harder to love someone you haven't met. You don't know anything about them. You don't know if they're going to hurt you. You don't know if they're going to manipulate you. You don't know anything about them. It's hard just to start loving somebody when you haven't met yet. It's, that's why I'm so thankful God chose to love us first. 
When there is, but God loved us before we knew he even existed. Can you think about that for a second? Before we knew anything about God, God still loved us. He loved the unlovable in us. When there was nothing in us to love, he chose to give us his son. And he did so to make a path for us to spend eternity with him. John 3.16, for God so, what? Loved the world that he gave his only son. He showed us before we had anything to do with it. And I'm thankful because, you know, I'm a little thick sometimes. I might have thought I had something to do with it. Like, I'm just a nice guy. Of course God loves me. No, there's nothing good in me. I had nothing to do with it. God chose to love me before I even knew he existed. God loves us so much that he sent his son. He sacrificed for us. He knew what he was doing. He made it easy for us. It's easy to love God because he loved us first. Number two, his love can't be taken away from us. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Let's look at Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. Now, this is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in all the Bible, in my opinion. It's, just, it's, it's often quoted, and we'll get into that uh, in a second. But read this verses, these verses with me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. Nothing can separate us from God's love. That's amazing truth this morning. We can all relax and just rest in that truth. But here's where it gets a little harder. It would be very, very easy just to close the Bible and say amen and let's just go and be feeling good about ourselves, that God loves us and nothing can separate us from his love. But if we were to do that this morning, we'd be missing the point. Because what we haven't looked at yet is what precedes these verses. We've we got to be very careful we don't take what I commonly like to call Walmart theology. What do I mean by that? My uh, life group knows what that means. Um, we talk about it all the time. You know, if it's, if it's a verse that is, is printed on a t-shirt or a coffee mug or a poster or a little sign you put in your house, you know, you can get pick up at Walmart. Just be careful. It's probably not in the right context. <laughs> not saying all the time. We, want to get, we don't want to get our theology from Walmart. That, that it sounds so pretty and so cute and lovely. You're like, oh, that's great. Nothing separates from God's love. We don't always fall into Walmart theology. We need to make sure that we know exactly what it is Paul was trying to communicate to the church of Rome in those, chapters, those verses, which means we need to go back. We need to look at the context. We need to look at what God is really trying to say here. He's talking about the love of God. He's talking about how nothing is separated from God's love, but there's a reason for that. It's not just so we can feel good about ourselves. It's not so we can just give ourselves a pass. But before we get into that, I want to, I want to just break down these things that, that are thrown out that... He says, these things can't separate you from God's love. And we're going to look at these individually. And I don't know about you, but I've read this passage many, many times. Many times. And I've just kind of taken it for granted. Yeah, there's all these things that, that can't separate you from God's love. But I never looked at them individually. And so I was doing my, my study and I was doing my research. And I thought, I, I found out some really interesting things that I want to share with you. So it says, his love can't be taken from us. His loving God is easy because it can't be taken from us. 
So here's some things that, that, that Paul mentions that say, don't worry about these things. First, he says in verse 35, tribulation, he mentions distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. We can probably lump all this together in just disasters, right? Disasters. Now, disasters can't separate from God's love because if you're truly a believer in Jesus Christ, you know what disasters do for you? They draw you closer to the Lord. Now, we talked about the ones that it doesn't, right? The ones that the disaster hits and they run from God. They don't stop going to church. They blame God. They get mad at God. But it goes back to if you know him, if you truly know him, you love him. Even in the midst of disasters, you can love him if you truly know him. Because you know he's fully in control. You know that nothing passes through his hands. That he allows it for our good. Right? And so even disasters, no, they can't separate us from God's love. They actually will bring us closer to him. Then he looked down in uh, verse 38. He says, for I am sure that neither death nor life. Death and life can't separate us from God's love. If we die, we're in heaven with Jesus. Right? That's the only way we're only getting closer to him. Now, if in life, we're supposed to live for Christ. Our life is supposed to be about him. So no matter what happens in life, we're going to, it can't separate us from God's love. It's going to help us grow in our love for Jesus, right? So then we look at angels. And, you know, that was always perplexing to me because why would angels separate us from God's love in the first place? It says angels, don't, not even angels. Angels can't separate you. Well, you got to know the context. you got to understand what they believed about angels in those days. And I'm not saying this is the correct, but in their day, they believed angels to be these powerful beings that were with God, yes, but they were jealous of humans because they had to share God with us. There's even mythologies that, that talk about how the angels were trying to keep them from, keep Moses from getting on Mount Sinai and God wouldn't let him, right? That, that was their belief about angels, that they were jealous, powerful beings that could possibly separate you from God's love. And he says, no, angels have no hold on your, my love for you. Not rulers, no government powers can touch God's power. Then he lists not things present or the future. Well, we know that all time belongs to God. All of it. Every second we wake up, it belongs to God. And there's nothing here on earth. There's nothing present that's going to keep us. But here's what they didn't, here's what they feared. They had this very common fear that we still have today. Fear of the future. Right? Well, yeah, everything's good now, but oh, I don't want, something's coming. It's got to be coming, Right? Something's going to come along one day, and it's going to knock us off loose. It's going to change God's love for me. He's like, you don't have to worry about anything right now, and you don't have anything to worry about in the future. Nothing can separate you from my love. Then he mentions not heights or depths. Now, this was really interesting to me because I just kind of thought, you know, nothing up, up there, nothing down there, right? But that's not what it's talking about at all. He said, he, what they believed in the ancient world is they believed that the stars... The star you were born under had a great influence over your life. It was astronomy, mythology, and they believed that the highest, the high, nor height nor depth, the height was the height of the star. When it was at its highest point, it had the most power over you. And when it was at the lowest points, it was trying to rise up and take ownership over you. And so he said, listen, what Paul is telling them is that stars can't hurt you they are no match for God's love. And then he says, nothing in all of creation. He says, okay, here, how about this? If you got something that you're thinking about that I haven't mentioned yet, let me just throw that in there too. Anything that you can conjure up in your imagination that might separate you from my love, it's, it's not going to happen. 
It, 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 it can't happen. Nothing can separate you from my love. Paul is very clear. He says, listen, I don't care what you want to throw up. There is nothing, nothing, nothing. Included, that includes our sin. That includes our past. That includes our, our, our struggles. That includes our temptations. Nothing you want to throw up to say, well, God can't love me because of this. Forget about it. it it's not possible. Nothing can separate you from his love. I, I guess I'm the only one excited about that. <laughs> I'm excited about the fact that God loves us because I know we're Baptists, but it's okay to get excited about God's love. I promise. It's it's true. I mean, God wants us to to, to take this word seriously. He says, listen, nothing is going, you can throw up, is going to separate you from my love. That's how amazing our God is. That's why it's easy to love him. It's easy to love him when we know how much he loves us. He loved us first. He says nothing can separate us from his love. We love him, we love them because he's, he's always there for us. And while it's true that nothing can separate us from his love, that love isn't a free pass to live however we want. This is where it gets tarred. It's easy to say, yeah, praise God for his love, but we have to understand why he loves us and what that's supposed to do for us. He loves us, but he still wants us to please him with how we live how we talk, how we interact with others. We are to be different during this world. If we look the same, we are missing the point. God loves us enough to discipline us. If you're a parent in here, raise your hand. If you're a parent, you were a parent, grandparent even, if, okay, if you, raise your hand if you love your children. That's the easy one, right? Now raise your hand if, you're, if your kids ever did something that made you not so happy. <laughs> we're two for two that's good <laughs> my kids are in here they're going to test the fact that I love them they know that right but they don't always do things that make me happy we don't always uh, please me that's part of parenting right and what do we do about it when, God, when our children don't please us we discipline them what a good father we have that he disciplines us when we need it we don't always have to like it we know we need it. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. See, we want to say we love God and we want to wear the Christian badge, but we don't like it when we're disciplined. Why does God love us when we don't please him? Because of who he is. Not because of who we are. First John says that God is love. He takes his name seriously, even when we don't. He is love. By definition, we don't know love if we don't know God. Let's be really clear about that. We can say it. We use the word love all the time. I love my wife, and I love pizza. I love football, and I love, I mean, okay, thanks, (laughs) right? We cheapen it. But the truth of the matter is real, true love is sacrifice. We can say we love God all the time, but if we don't have any sacrifices to show it, what good is it? So how do you know if you aren't pleasing God while you're setting your mind on the flesh? Let's look at Romans 8, verses 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, 
for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirits. In fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him. It doesn't get much more clear than that. If you're in the flesh, it's impossible to please God. Now, here's the good news. If you're a Christian in here, you're not in the flesh. Because the spirit of God dwells in you. So it's not talking about believers here. It's talking about unbelievers. Unbelievers, it's impossible for an unbeliever to please God. But it's possible for believers. The question is, are we? What do we do with that possibility? We have the opportunity every single day, not because of us, not because of our strength, not because of our talent, not because of our education, not because of anything we want to put up, but because only because of the Spirit of God dwelling in us that we have the opportunity to please God with our lives. And that's, that's an amazing truth, isn't it? I mean, we want to, to, to rest in that. We can rest in that. I know that there's nothing about me that can do it, but praise God, the Holy Spirit lives in me, and he can. That's what it's about. There's, I gave you two reasons that, that loving God is easy. The one reason pleasing is hard is this. Pleasing God is hard because it requires us, requires us to change our mindsets. Look at these verses. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And we have to change our mindset. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. If you flip over to chapter 12, it starts off with these two verses. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, so to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Remember, love requires sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. It's acceptable. We're pleasing Him. Which is your spiritual worship. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. There it is again. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You want to know if you're loving God the right way? You, know, you want to know if that the way you live is acceptable to God? If you're doing the will of God, if you're pleasing God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let God have all of you. Not just parts of it. Not just your Sunday morning. Not just your quiet time. Not just, just when you want to feel like it or you have time. You know, he wants all of us. He wants to encompass us. He, God is, the Hebrew says that God is a consuming fire. He wants to envelop us. And he says, listen, we have to have total surrender if we're truly going to stop saying that we just love God and please him with our lives. That's what it's all about. I don't know about you, but I, I don't, I'm tired of just giving God lip service. That's what God's been raking me over the coals this week as I study this passage of Scripture, as I truly believe that the problem we have in America is that so many Christians just want to label themselves Christians or be on the right side of an aisle or a political debate, and we're, we're less concerned about the fact that what, if what we do every single day, the words that we say, the people we interact with, is truly pleasing to God. It doesn't matter what we say if our actions don't, don't play it, live it out. I'm guessing, I know we get labeled all the time like, oh, church full of hypocrites, and we always like to say, well, that's, that's true. That's kind of the point. But it's not an excuse just to keep living hypocritical lives either. God should be changing us every single day, making us more like him. It's that sanctification process that as we follow him and as we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and turn and repent of it and turn from it and become more like Jesus. If we are just making, standing around with the label of, of Christian and saying, I love God, I, I praise God, I'll sing the songs, I'll do all those things, just don't touch these areas of my life, we, we've missed it. We're allowing the flesh to, 
have way too much power in our lives. I want you to repeat this with me. Flesh is death. Now say this with me. Spirit is life. The flesh will always lead to death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The flesh will always, always keep you from pleasing God. It is impossible to please God when we're in the flesh. But we have the Spirit of God. We don't have to stay there. But it requires us to crucify the flesh. It requires us to submit ourselves to the Spirit. And every day we wake up and say, God, I want to serve you. I want to make your name great, not my own. I want to give everything I have to you so that you can be pleased with my life. And that should be our prayer every single day. We should be looking for things in our lives that God is wanting to to tear down and and to build up. It says we set our minds on the things of the flesh, then we're going to, it's going to lead to death. We set our minds on the things of the spirits, we are are going to lead, it's going to lead to life and peace. Which says life, it's, think about God as the creator of our lives. He has a purpose for every single one of us, and that purpose is the same for all of us. We question, and you have know, all the philosophical debates you want on the purpose of life. The true purpose of life for every single one of us is to glorify God. And the only way we glorify God is we stop living according to the flesh and we start living according to the Spirit. That's the only way. Sometimes we struggle so much. We're trying to do it in our flesh. We're trying to please God. And it's, Paul tells us it, that's like filthy rags. It doesn't matter how much you want to clean up yourself up, it's never going to work. So often we get this mindset that we're going to just turn everything or clean ourselves up and we're going to go to God, and it, it doesn't work that way. It, takes, it requires us to fully surrender. In church, we love to talk about how you should just come as you are. And that's 100% true. If you're a lost person, even in this room today, if you're a lost person, you've never accepted Jesus, if you, you say, well, I can't say that I love God because maybe I haven't met him. Well, listen, let me just work on myself a little bit. I'm going to clean myself up, and then one day I'll, I'll come to God. It's never going to be enough. We, there's a reason we say come as you are, because God wants you to come as you are. But make no mistake, he's not going to leave you that way. God loves you too much to leave you in your sin. Come as you are. Come with your baggage. Come with your brokenness. Come with your pain. Come with your hurts. Come with your, your, your struggles and your, 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 your trials. But make no mistake, God is not going to leave you that way. If you come to God, you're going to have a transformation that's going to take place and that you are going to leave forever changed. Because if you truly know God, you will love God. And the love of God will compel us to do his work, for 2 Corinthians tells us. The greatest motivation to live for Jesus Christ is to reflect on the love that he has for us. When someone loves you, doesn't it encourage you to love them back? And we know God loves us. We know it's an unmatchable love. It's an unconditional love. We can know that loving God is easy, but, but the hard part is when we choose to please him. And it's only hard for one reason. It's not that it's actually hard, because it's not. It's very simple. But we make it hard because we're trying to do it in our flesh. We're not willing to fully surrender it over to God. We, might, we, we put up a bit, good effort. We say, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to join this Bible study. and I'm, I'm going to do good. I'm going to do good. I'm going to stop saying those bad words, and I'm going to stop watching that TV show or whatever it is. And it lasts for a while, and then we fall back into the same temptations. Because we're just trying to clean ourselves up. 
We're not allowing the Holy Spirit to truly take over. We're not walking with him daily. We're not surrendering and repenting of our sin. We can not only love God, but know that we are pleasing him by simply putting to death our flesh and setting our minds on the Spirit. We can't please God with our flesh. We can't do it on our own. We'll go back to what the verse says. We're to set the mind on the flesh is death, but, the, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. If we are living in the flesh, we are hostile to God. It's not enough to say, well, I love God, but if we're living in our flesh, it's, the Bible just tells us we're hostile to him. It's, well, no, I love God. I'm not hostile to him. That's not according to God's word. It, you can't have it both ways. And so many people are living every single day trying to have it both ways. They're saying, I can love God, I can go to church sometimes, or I can do this and that, but ultimately, I'm just gonna, still going to do my own thing. It says, listen, you are hostile to God if you are in the flesh. It doesn't matter what your words say. God wants us to surrender ourselves and to live according to the Spirit, to, to change, do a change in our life, that, but it requires us to truly submit to Him. It says, for it, it does not submit to God's law. The flesh does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But here's the truth of the matter. This is what we should stand on this morning. This is what we should should take with us as we walk out the door. It says, you, however. See, see, this is an important distinction to make. It says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We're talking about unbelievers. We're the ones who have never experienced the series. But he says, listen, but you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit's. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but praise God, we belong to him. We're just saying that God really loves us. I love that song. We said, God really loves us. We are not alone. Isn't it thankful that you're not alone? That we don't have to live this life alone, but God is with us. That God is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit, even in our weaknesses, Romans 8 tells us, too, in your weakness, the Holy Spirit will intercede for you. On your behalf and to the Father. Praise God for the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives interceding for us in our weakness. We don't have to have it all together. In fact, we will never have it all together. That's why we surrender to him, the one who does. The one who holds it all in his hands. Every single day we wake up on this earth is an opportunity to praise God. To live for him, to please him. I want to close with this. Do you have receipts to show you love God? Is your love for God just lip service? You can choose today to please the Lord by allowing the Spirit to take control of your life. Loving is easy, but pleasing is hard. But it doesn't have to be. When you surrender the flesh, you will find life and peace. And I don't know about you, but I could use some peace in this hostile world. This world is becoming more hostile to the Lord every single day. But in him, through the Holy Spirit, we can have peace. We can know that every single day is an opportunity to please him. I don't want to live in a fake world. I don't want to lull myself to sleep in some false sense of reality. That I'm just, me and God are good. Because I do X, Y, and Z. I I, I check off the boxes so me and God are good. It's so more far beyond that. Is God part of your everything? Not just 
a box to check. Is God your everything? Have you fully surrendered to him? To know God is to love God. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. To know God is to love God. And so my question this morning is if, if there's anybody in this room who questions whether or not they've truly loved God, say, well, I, I may have waved the, the Christian banner, or I may fall into that camp, or I may go to church and do X, Y, and Z, but if I'm truly being truthful, I don't know that I truly love God. That's simply because you have not met him. You have not encountered the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if that's you this morning, if you're sitting in this room, you say, that is who I am. I, I just with the position that I find myself in this morning, but I want that to change, then praise God, today can be the day of your salvation. And maybe you're in this room and you say, well, I know that I'm a Christian, but, but I certainly don't have the receipts to prove it. I've been relying too much on religious activities. And I know today that I need to please him with all of my life. There are certainly parts of my life that I am not proud of, and I know he's not proud of. I want to live according to the Spirit and crucify the flesh. Maybe you're here today and you want to get baptized or you need to join this church. I don't know what God's going to have, how God is speaking to you, but I just pray that we, all of us, are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we do exactly what he's leading us to do. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand to your feet, and if you need to come make a decision, you come during this time.